to another episode of the Hero Ball Podcast. I'm Richard Davidson, and I'm joined by my good buddies, Ethan Huffman, and you found Father Elkin Beltry. Yes, sir. Yes. Happy to be here, by the way. I feel like it's been so long, but uh, after several back-to-back-to-back nights of staying up, I am proud to be back and happy to be back. I'm glad to have you here. Ethan, how you doing? Oh, I'm just fine. I am just hanging out in my room. You know, should I tell everyone what I'm drinking right now? I got myself a little Rockstar Pog again. As as we ended the last podcast telling you, you know, swig out of whatever we have. And yeah, no, just continuing the tradition now. Okay, got it, got it. Well, guys, we are here to, um, well, in previous years, we have done a state of the franchises and we've kind of gone in depth, uh, a, a bit more in depth on some. We're going to try to... Still do that. It's good to, good to have an idea of where the league is, but we're going to try to knock out a bunch of teams uh, in in one sitting. So we're going to see how this goes. I hope it doesn't take us forever. So, well, maybe some this is the time that we uh, we dial back a little bit of the uh, let's talk about the twelfth man on the Cavs this year, who we don't actually know anything about, and we're going to try to focus on you know what actually a little bit more likely cores and bad contracts instead of. Whoever that guy that get paid, gets paid 600k because he got signed midway through the year. Hey, sometimes those guys are important. Um, you never know. You know, we, we could be having a Derek Walton Jr. Little, you know discussion, but maybe maybe it's best we don't. Um, Man, why does it feel like these were the same five teams that we started off with last year's state of the franchise? It would. We wasn't because Detroit. Yeah, well, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Detroit was the only one I was like. Mm. Charlotte too. But, like Char- Charlotte was doing okay. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, the, but, these are the ones. All right, let's get into it, Richard. What you got for us? Well, let's go ahead and get started with Cleveland. Uh, we're going to start with the worst team. And we're going in the Eastern Conference here, but we're starting with the uh, worst team in the Eastern Conference. They currently are second in the race for the number one odds um, uh, in, in this year's draft. Thank you, Tankathon. Uh, and we're going to designate their core players as Darius Garland, Colin Sexton, Kevin Porter Jr., Dylan Windler, all of those uh, first-round picks over the past few years. And, uh, you know, younger guys are guys that are on longer-term contracts. Uh, Chetty Osmond and, I guess, Larry Nance is not an old guy, but he's there for a while. Um, we could put Kevin Love here, but uh, just because of the length of his contract, but he's not someone I, I don't think is valued in the long-term core. Uh, he's a bad contract, $91.5 million over three more years. Larry Nance is the other one, bad contract. $32.1 million over three years. And while that's not an awful contract, it's just like, what is the what is the point? Um, why, why are we doing that? Out of the five teams we plan on talking about today, they are the only one without uh, cap space to really talk about. They have uh, $109.2 million um, already allotted. And that is without talking about their draft picks that, you know, without any of that go- being... A part of that, so that's tough. Uh, they will have some space begin to open up uh, once Drummond officially is off the books um, and a few other guys too. Uh, so the year afterward, they've got about $49 million tied up, again, not including contracts. Let's get to the draft picks, incoming and outgoing, and then we will chat about this team. Incoming, Milwaukee 2022 first, um, uh, top 10 protected. Uh, if Giannis is still there, though, that'll you'll probably get that. Um, twenty twenty two, Houston second. Twenty twenty two, San Antonio Spurs second. 
2022 Washington second and the best of the 2023 Golden State Warriors second and their own second. Another one going to Detroit. Outgoing 2022 first round pick to New Orleans. Sorry, 2020. That'd be this year, but it's top 10 protected. Going to become two second rounders uh, because they're holding on to their first round pick this year, guys. Their second round pick this year is going to Charlotte. That's unfortunate. And there is some swap happening with Utah in 2024 with seconds that I think Utah gets to choose. So with that being said, there is kind of how things look in Cleveland. How are we feeling about this Cleveland, the outlook for Cleveland guys? It's looking small. I'm, I'm just taking a peek at that, um, the, those core players there, and it brings back the question during the draft of why Darius Garland was a pick if you also feel Colin Sexton is a part of your core. And so that's a little bit of a an interesting idea there. Uh, Kevin Porter Jr. Um, is currently playing most of his minutes as small forward, and he is if he is six six, it's a you know that's a that's a bit of a stretch uh, stretch right there. Don Windler, we haven't seen at all. He uh, doesn't look like to be a very physical, but a tall guard. Like he's more of the you know t- like lanky two guard who can't really guard a lot of people. And C.D. Osmond, I you know I have my questions about him as he hasn't really blossomed into anything else. But it's hard to blossom when you're playing with a bunch of other young players who all gotta get their numbers. But yeah, we don't have any bigs that are like particularly good and and guaranteed to be part of the future. You could argue um, Andre Drummond come off season if like they were to negotiate a, a, a long term deal instead of just the opt in. Maybe we could say he's part of the core, and then we're like, okay, well maybe the, he'll be able to cover for some of the errors. But again, we, we, just like we said in the draft with Darius Garland and Colin Sexton being kind of duplicative and not particularly good, it's gonna be a tough. Uh, Tough core to manage, in my opinion. Yeah, we didn't put Drummond there just because there is that uncertainty. Um, and mm-hmm. I, th- I think that even if this would have happened to Detroit or anywhere else, I think that offering him an extension that he would take long term would put him in bad money, would put him in bad bad contract, uh, at least that uh, appearing that way by most of the NBA. Like, you'd be in that zone. And I don't, I just don't think that Cleveland – is going to want to do that. They really didn't give up anything, and so I think it's easier for them to um, just play it out if he wants to opt in and um, cut bait, or you know maybe you get lucky and are able to get him in a year on a more team-friendly deal when there isn't as much out there, when he has less leverage. Um, so, yeah, that, that that's that's why we didn't include him. Okay, what are you, what are your thoughts about this Cleveland team? How do you feel about them going forward? I mean, it kind of feels like this Cleveland team, it's like every time LeBron leaves, they they just dig themselves a hole. And it seems like I look at this franchise, and for us to start off here, I feel like we start off on such a depressing note with this. I mean, we, you talked about their cap space for next year. I mean, they have $109.2 million already tied up in cap space. And it's like that much. there's not much they can do, and they're probably going to get a first-round draft pick they got a lot for. And, like... Five years from now, when I look at these core players, like it's realistic to me that none of these players are going to be on the Cleveland Cavaliers in five years. Like there's, there's not really any guy that you're like, man, I want to have this guy around. Like as I see it right now, I don't know if you guys feel different with any of these core players. That that's what I'm struggling with right now, seeing what they have to build on. I mean, it's it's tough to know, right? Like I can't think. I don't think we can say definitively. Yes, Darius Garland is going to be on this team after this. After it's hard to know, but I mean, but even like a Darius Garland, like you alluded to, 
why get a garland if you have a sexton that you're like i think ethan alluded to it like you have sexton already then you get garland you look at the players who were picked after garland I mean, garland was the fifth pick and i know that there were some rough patches in the 2019 draft but you could have gone another direction and that's why i have trouble seeing with the i mean and it's a reason why this team is already there has the record that they have have the contracts that they have i mean it's a combination of a lot of a lot of things that make it one of our first teams we're talking about. Go ahead, Richard. I, I don't know if I would knock them uh, that much for going Darius Garland, even when they had Colin Sexton, um, as long as they expected that something like this could happen. Uh, because, you know, how many times do teams out there uh, in the top say, oh, no, you know what, we're going to skip over drafting this player because we have a Colin Sexton who plays a similar type thing. And then that second player would have been better long-term for them. You know, Darius Garland may be better long-term than Colin Sexton. And at, at the point that Cleveland is in, you take swings on who you think is the best player available. If they're at the top of the draft this year, maybe they go Wiseman or something like that. But, I mean, if if you're not, I mean, if they're at the top there, there's a bunch of point guards in this upcoming uh, year's draft. I mean, there's really like Anthony Edwards, James Wiseman, and then a bunch of point guards. So, they might find themselves in a similar situation if they, you know, if those other guys aren't available. Yeah, like the pick itself isn't isn't a terrible idea, right? Like we 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 saw we see all the time where we really criticize someone for passing on a player because oh this wasn't going to work with our current setup, and that that's that's a bad idea. If you're con- convinced this guy's the best available, go ahead and pull the trigger on it. My question was with a team that already had Colin Sexton that could use more draft capital, could use some more versatility. How convinced were you that Darius Garland is going to be, you know, as close to a star? And if they weren't convinced of him being close to a star, they should have, like, you know, tried to find a trade partner to trade back. Given that the Wolves traded up to get Jarrett Culver, that might have been available for them there. Like, there could have been a lot more posturing. And, and deal-making to where you could have got a couple different guys. Like, you could have traded back uh, with with the with the Wolves to 11, and you could have drafted someone other than Cam Johnson there and gotten a pretty good player. Like, there's, there's moves to be had, and I would like to have seen more creativity out of Colby Altman, recently extended GM. Yeah, I think, that, I think that's totally fair. And, I mean, Colby Altman, uh, his track record thus far, Kevin Love extension. Um, and then everything that we're seeing here is tough. I mean, it good on them for going out and getting, getting Kevin Porter Jr. Trading with Detroit. Uh, they had a bunch of seconds to offer. They still have a bunch of seconds. Um, but you might as well do that. Like Detroit wasn't going to be selecting Kevin Porter Jr. Because first round picks have to count towards your, um, uh, you know, towards your, towards your cap. Detroit didn't want to do that. They wanted to be able to go out and get enough free agents. So, it made sense for them to trade it away to get a second round pick, and in in doing so, they get um, you know someone that you can take a peek at who's shown a, who's shown some flashes, um, and I like the Devin, the the Dylan Windler. Um, you know everyone knows that I, I liked him and, and his shooting ability, his size um, at the end of the first round. So I, I like some of the things that they've done, but those are more the fringe moves, the moves that have mattered. Uh, you know Kobe Altman, I haven't quite. Um, Loved it. I don't know if I am a hundred percent trusting him being at the helm moving forward here, and not to mention his his first legitimate head coaching hire is is now gone. Is now gone. I mean, 
they it's 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 really tough. Um, and so I have no idea what their plan is. Do I know who their head coach? I mean, JB Bickerstaff. Sorry, I was about to say. Do I even know who their head coach is right now? But I guess he's the guy now going forward. I, I think the idea is that they said, "Hey, he, we had a plan in place in case the guy who we went out to get didn't make it." Like that's that's tough to begin with. So I I don't know. I don't have much faith in Kobe Altman and the in Cleveland's direction. It's all fair, and like I say I, I everyone knows I like Kevin Porter Jr. a lot. You know, I like his athleticism and his shooting ability. Um, while has been very streaky, like he's had good months and bad months, and like he he, he toasted the Heat in a game recently, but the Heat don't play any defense. Um, but like, you know, you gotta gotta I enjoy him as a prospect a lot, and I I think we could have a fun lineup as one of those two smaller guards, Porter Jr. and Windler, and. One of those, one of these days, I think that could be like all those guys shoot above thirty six percent from three, and co- and a couple mm-hmm. of them are athletic. One's one's going to shoot forty percent from three, and Dylan Windler, I hope, and you might have yourself like a hub of a nice little offense there. And if you can figure out this next draft, maybe get yourself, you know, a, a switchy big like a like a Brandon Clark a, adjacent type that can really cover a lot of ground on defense. You might be putting together a nice little core here, and we're not so negative. Given the Kevin Love contract, it's hard not to be. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Should we go to the next team who has not put much faith, uh, well, not given us a reason to put faith in them? The New York Knicks. They are 18 and 42 at the moment, uh, fourth in the race for the number one odds. Core players RJ Barrett, Mitchell Robinson, Kevin Knox, question mark. Mm-hmm. Julius Randle, question mark. Like, it, I mean, what's tough with this is, you know, you look and you see the bad contracts and you really don't see any. Joe Kim Noah's stretch um, where, you know, he's got $13 million to be paid out over uh, a couple more years after this. But it's it's like there's not that many core players. And I think it's because with the way that they've been approaching this, it's been, I, I guess maybe I shouldn't, I shouldn't get into the analysis of this too much, but they've been trying to go out and get free agents. I mean, the... The money allotted for next year, $99.4 million, but that can get down as low as $63.5 million. Are they going to use that cap space to go out and try to, you know, there's no one really to go out and get, but like, what are they going to do with all this money? Um, The the year they do care about is the 2021-2022. The Giannis year, $44 million is um, currently allotted. That's what uh, Basketball Reference has, but they can get down to 28.5 if they do not include Julius Randle that year. Um, draft picks coming in. Clippers first this year. Um, Charlotte's second this year. 2021 first from Dallas. Uh, and my favorite, uh, the Clippers 2021 first round pick swap. If by some... I don't know what happens if the Knicks somehow are better than the Clippers next year. So that was impressive. Uh, 2021, Charlotte second. 2021, Detroit second. 2023, Dallas first. Top 10 protected through 2025, which will become a 2025 second. Outgoing just a couple of seconds uh, this year and next year to Philly. They've got the beginnings of... You know, what would, like, if, if a different team other than the Knicks had this, uh, you know, had some first-round picks coming in, had some had some decent second-round picks coming in, no bad contracts, and just a couple core players, I would feel more confident because I would imagine that they would be going through the rebuilding process in the right way. 
but the Knicks have not shown the willingness to go through that process to build a culture, to build through the draft, and it seems as though they just want to go out and try to, you know, the, the allure of free agents. What happens when they strike out on Giannis in a couple of years? Do they panic and go sign, you know, other lesser players to bad money? That's my big concern with this team. How do you guys feel? I think, I mean, you kind of just hit up that Knicks culture. You think about what happened, coaching changes, management changes, and I'm sure you guys probably saw that, even that fiasco with you had a guy from the Knicks go on first take, and it's like, Knicks are like, he doesn't speak for us, no, 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 no. And you're like, okay, they get all this cap space, but why would a player want to go there with so much dysfunction? And have they actually shown that they know what to do with all these draft picks? I mean, when you see all these first-round draft picks, if you see a competent GM, you guys will probably get excited about it. It's like, all right, what can we do with all these first-round draft picks? But then with the Knicks, you're like, I don't have that much confidence. And it kind of sucks because they're in a really good position to, from two years from now to just, like, say, hey, we're going to grab some free agents. We have this young core already. got some young guys like R.J. Barrett, Mitchell Robinson, and we're going to surround them with other key players. <sighs> but I think this has been the case since, like, I'm pretty sure the year 2000, this has been the case with the New York Knicks. Like, it's been 20 years now where they've just gone on this cycle of just, all right, now we're just going to keep reverting back, spending money on bad contracts and wasting away picks. I don't know what you guys think or how you guys feel. Oh, I, I look at just a lot of their, their free agent acquisitions, and and there are a lot of those like, hey, let's take an, another swing on this mediocre player, right? Like Alfred Payton, for what it's worth, I thought – he did not have like a lot of tread left on the tire to like of hope that he's going to become a more than backup or third point guard um, on a team. But he, you know, came in and became the starter. Uh, Dennis Smith Jr. I felt good about them giving him a, a chance, but he hasn't worked out. Like, and you got to wonder like what what is the balance here, right? Because they have Alfred Payton, who's been in the league for a while now, and he clearly is not. Gonna, I don't think he's ever going to take that step. Like, But you didn't really even give him the opportunity to because you brought in so much other, like, just other usage players like a, like a uh, Dennis Smith Jr. And you also have uh, Frank Nielkina, who you drafted uh, in, the, in top 10, and you were expecting him to do something. Like, there's just not a lot of coherent thoughts tied together with around their signings. And with that in mind, like, I don't know how you build a culture like that. you got to find players who mesh well together and can take steps together, even if they're not going to be part of the core. Like, I think about uh, specifically when the Heat signed Deion Waiters and James Johnson on, originally to their, like, minimum deals, and they had the 11-30, and 30, the 30-11 stretch. Like, those players who were, like, not going to be in the league much longer if they didn't do something were able to play together, surrounded by, like, some of the Heat culture stuff, but primarily, like, those two players meshed well. You had Deion Waiters who could shoot pretty good from three, James Johnson, who could handle the ball a little bit. And, like, they had a really nice pick-and-roll pairing, and, and they could reverse it sometimes. But with this this Knicks team, they didn't identify – they just identified random talents and said, here, let's look what happens. And very few of these players fit together in any type of way. It's tough. I mean, you got R.J. Barrett uh, shooting under 40% from the field and 31% from three, and it's rookie and – but you've not put him in a position to succeed. You've not put him, your young guys, in places where they're going to be able to, um, you know, flourish. You're not you're not putting them with the right people. 
and so it really just shows that they didn't have a plan outside of the, we're going to try to get Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving here. I mean, that was the plan. It has to be. Because that's why they went and did the whole stretch thing with, with Joe Kim Noah. I mean, it, it, it's planning out, trying to get that situation, and then th- these are the results. And obviously, it falls all at the, at the feet of James Dolan. I mean, that, that really, we talk about wanting to create the right culture. It's the culture he's created. And um, it has been one of dysfunction and of what appear to be panic moves um, with nearly everything that they, that they do. Well, and, and and correct me if, if this sounds sounds silly, but this is something I just I just kind of thought of. So you so you you draft R.J. Barrett, and you know he's going to be part of this this core, right? You don't know that Kevin Durant's not coming yet, but you know that he's going to be Shabbat. Um, not I just spoiled my own point, but R.J. Barrett's going to be part of the uh the core, right? So how do we surround R.J. Barrett with the proper talent? R.J. Barrett hasn't shown the ability to shoot yet. What do we need? We need the ball in his hand, but we need a guard out there who's not going to take take reps away from him, but it's going to enable him to get to the basket even better. Shabazz Napier, in my opinion, would have been a good signing for this team because he just like has been at different points a good spot up shooter. He can create a little bit, he can do some you know functions, but he makes sense as a, a nice little gamble, but to help pro- progress along. A lob, your lob threat, Mitchell Robinson, and a two guard ball dominant player. But you went and signed uh, Dennis Smith Jr., who needs the ball. You went, or you traded for him. You you signed uh, Alfred Payton, who needs the ball, and Frank Nelkina, who hasn't been shown the ability to shoot yet. Who, if he's going to be doing it on offense, will probably need the ball. Like that, that kind of no. There's no mesh point there, and without the mesh point, you're not going to have pr- progression. And that's the frustration for me. No, that's 100%, 100% fair. Anything else in the next before we get on to our next squad? All right. No. Let's go ahead and get to Atlanta, who is um, 19 and 43. All these teams are real bunched up at the top there, but currently fifth in the race for the number one pick odds. Core players, obviously, Trey Young, John Collins, Kevin Herter, DeAndre Hunter. I'm going to say, I'm going to go ahead and say Clint Capella, too because of the you know their trade to go out and get him uh, on his long-term deal. Um, they also went out and traded Dwayne Dedman, but I don't know, just after they traded for Clint Capella, that makes that um, 26 million two-year deal pretty expensive for a backup center. Um, so we're going to throw that under the bad contracts um, situation. They are the team with the most cap space going into this offseason, I believe. Uh, they currently have $59.4 million allotted. Um, next year, they got 58.7. Or if um, some team options are declined, uh, if some options are declined, we get down to 33.6. But um, this is a team that has, you know, it seems went out and made some moves to the deadline to try to get some help for Trey Young. Uh, and we'll see if. They use their money wisely in the next couple of off seasons. What what their plan is with that money that they have? Uh, draft picks incoming. They have a 2020 Houston second, 2021 Miami second, 2022 OKC first. Top 14 protected, which becomes 2024 2025 second if it does not convey. They have 23 New Orleans uh, Pelicans second. 
Um, and with some weird trade, we don't know who it's going to be because we don't know how good teams are going to be in the 2023, but they're probably going to have a second round that's in the 40s or so um, is probably what's likely. They have a 2024 Miami second coming if the protections fall in the proper way. Uh, and Brooklyn, 2025 second. Golden State Warriors, 2026 second. Wow, we are far out in 2026 there. Um, outgoing picks, this year's second. That's tough. Next year's second, also tough. 2022 second and 2024 second round picks. There's Atlanta, guys. How are we feeling with uh, where they're at? Obviously, they've got their star, Trey Young. Um, but how are we feeling with their direction? Uh, El, can you go first? I would say this. Offensively, this team, I mean, just being able to, A, watch them a lot, and even see what they're able to put together offensively and how fast they play. I'm just like, all right, this team – they have some pieces of guys who could actually mesh together. I mean, when you, I'm finally being able, being able to see Kevin Herter and Trey Young's the way that they've been meshing. This is the type of backcourt you want to see. And John Collins, I know he missed. Was it 25 games that he missed? How many games yeah, did he miss? Yeah, suspension. Yeah. Yep. So for him, I'm just like he's going to be coming along. DeAndre Hunter, I've definitely enjoyed him. Like they have those pieces where I see they're going in the right direction. Cam Reddish. Started off really, 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 really rough, but he slowly turned it around. And this is a team that I have more optimism than the previous two teams because, A, you actually have a core that you can see meshing together and growing together. And as far as what they do with their cap space, I'm kind of excited to see what they're able to do. I don't know much about their GM. That's what I've been trying to look up, how their GM, but I don't know much about him. So, Travis Schlank from the Warriors. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so, I mean, in that first draft pick, you can kind of see them trying to create the, um, you know, the Steph Curry, uh, you know, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson offensive thing with, with Trey Young and Kevin Herter. Obviously, Kevin Herter does not have the defensive prowess that, uh, you know, that, that, that they have out in, in Golden State uh, with Clay. So, it's, it's kind of the light bargain version, but. At the same time, um, it, there's been some rumblings that maybe, you know, w- when those Drummond rumors came out, there was a lot of ownership stuff there. And so you wonder uh, how impactful ownership is going to be if they're going to say, hey, you need to go out and spend this money. I mean, if they do, they have the most money to spend. They can offer a max to somebody. The number one person, I think, that would be on their on their radar would be probably Brandon Ingram, right? Am I off base with, with that? Um, I don't know. It depends on wh- how they're looking at those young prospects. Like I, I know they'll offer if, if he, because he's going to make it to. He's already obviously going to make he's it to Richard. Like he's, they're going to give him an offer. Or I, I would think because everyone should that has cap space, that isn't trying to save money for like a Giannis player. But I, I, I don't know if like that's. I mean, you, you need someone like him. So yeah, I guess so. I don't know. I just rambled for no reason. It's, it's fine. I mean, I just I look out there and, and ask myself, what are they going to do with their cap space this year? Are they going to kind of do what they have in the past, except uh, trades for, um, you know, hey, you want to clear some cap space yourself? We'll take we'll take on that player for draft picks. Oh, you would like to do um, you know, you'd like to do A, B or C. We will we will facilitate that with our cap space. And so, like, that's the path that they've taken up to this point. They've signed some cheaper deals uh, to fill out the roster. Or do they say, well, 
we are tired of being patient. We need to make sure that we are utilizing Trey Young now. Uh, we are unlocking uh, him offensively, you know, allowing him to be phenomenally offensively, but like defensively putting a team around him as well, putting together a team that can compete for the playoffs. We want to get back to the playoffs. And if that's the case, you probably need to be making some moves this offseason. I don't think that they think of themselves as a Giannis destination. I, I just, I, I would doubt it. But with Atlanta and with how awful Trey Young is defensively, I feel as though they need to, if they're serious about building this, they got to be thinking about the defensive end. They brought in Clint Capella um, to help out with that. And, you know, DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish, those uh, first round picks from this past year, defense is uh, something that they are, you know, that they're better at. You can see them trying to do that. I just wonder if, if they're going to be able to succeed and find those, sorry, Ethan, two-way players um, who can contribute in, in in both facets of the game there. Yeah. Two-way players is fine when you're talking about how how they contribute, but you can't rank and say he's the best two-way player in the league if he's not the best player in the league because that's not that's <laughs> not how that works. Um aside aside from that um little short rant, sorry. I want to uh, mention a specific game that I watched Atlanta play recently. They're playing the uh, Brooklyn Nets and they they won 141 to 118 and it was honestly very close to like a peak offensive game for all these core players. Let's look at the, what the starting lineup was. It was John Collins at center, Hunter, Reddish, Herder, and Young. So obviously not a defensive force out there. And you could you could argue that that, that proved to be accurate because the Nets shot 45 from the field, 39 from three, and you know got off quite a few attempts there. So like the defense wasn't good, but the offense potential of that squad is incredible. Listen to how they performed that night. It was John Collins going three of four from three, Hunter four of eight, Reddish went six of nine. That's abnormal. Herder three of four, and Trey Young ironically one for six. That was the weird part about this game. And what I want to mention is I'm looking at this team right now, and I just pulled up their basketball reference page. And John Collins in his 36 games he's played this year is shooting 40% from three. I think that's probably a little rich, but yeah, I think he's going to be a 36% shooter for the rest of his career. Like he, his shot looks good these days. Herter is shooting uh, 39, 38.9% 30, uh, on the year. I think that translates. I think that's six around. Hunter's going to is shooting uh, 36%. If he gets rid of rookie jitters, I think he could continue that up a little bit. And Cam Reddish, who we talked about, is shooting uh, 32%. And I think a lot of that is buoyed by how poorly he shot um, early in the year. But my point is, this team has a lot of angles of finesse. And if Cam Reddish is your worst shooter in that like all-offense lineup, that might not end up being such a bad thing. And if all of a sudden you, you, you throw in Clint Capella, so there's now your new worst shooter, obviously. Your next worst shooter then is uh, DeAndre Hunter. That looks like a pretty good offensive lineup still with a lot higher defensive potential so like i said with, with this core there's a lot of interesting ways they could go and imagine if they said you know what brandon ingram like you said you're part of this team now you come in you carry the offense anytime trey is on the floor plus you get to play with him and get a lot of open looks when you share the ball and then deandre hunter like he can play small ball four if you don't want john collins out there he can he can come off the bench and be like you know like focus in on even more defensive prowess that he, he possesses a quite a bit of like this team has a lot of angles that they can go to. And, you know, I really appreciate like some of the fringe moves they've done. I would, I am, I'm honestly glad to see them 
bring some veterans in because I feel like that's why this team was so bad early. They didn't have a steady hand. Like Vince Carter in his 14 minutes a game <laughs> couldn't handle that much of a veteran load. Um, but even like uh, I've went along for a little while here, but like the only thing I'm upset about is that Dwayne Dedman trade, which is going to push my boy Bruno Fernando out of playing time. Cause I look at Bruno Fernando and I've been thinking like he has a chance to be kind of Richard Holmes ish and Richard Holmes was having a really nice little season up in, uh, Sacramento this year and I I kind of like I like him as a little prospect and if Dwayne Dedman takes his minutes I'll be upset so we we throw out Brandon Ingram obviously he, the restricted free agent of the Pelicans probably and uh, probably yeah, even if they offer the max to him I, I feel like the Pelicans have to um have to ha- have to match it because how are you like they're making a run for the eighth seed and if they make it or, or get really close, they're going to feel as though they can make the playoffs next year. You don't in year two of Zion say, ah, sorry, we didn't want to, we didn't want to keep it going. Um, so yeah, he's probably not in fully in the picture. But right. yeah, it's um, fun to talk about though. Like, he is he is a yes. fun player for that team. Like if if you could just magically move things, i.e. two K. One thing I want to say is that I like while we've kind of knocked the Dwayne Dedman, um, but move you know because it's expensive for a backup center uh he does allow for for you to be able to play john collins a bit more power forward too uh where you're able to also have spacing from the five so in a way a move to get him back was something useful for one of their their young guys so you know if they were like we mentioned pre-pod both of those guys together equal andre drummond's salary capella and Deadman, if they would have just gone out and got Drummond, um, they would probably have less money tied up long term. A roll guy in the Capella mold, we think better. Um, but at the same time, though, then that leaves John Collins in a, in a in a bit of a bind. If that's if that's the only thing, so in doing so, it allows for them to make good use of John Collins. I think so. I, I do want to point that out. No, yeah, I, for as De- Dwayne Deadman's not a good contract. He's you know. Definitely, like, I mean, we have him in the bad contract category, but, like, if he was still a starter for this team, like, it might be okay, right? It might be okay. Like, it's not good, but, you know, whatever. But, like, my thing is, selfishly, I like Bruno Fernando. I want to see him play, and this is oh, ruining man. it. And, honestly, we probably shouldn't have anyone in the bad contract. They have so much money over the next couple of years. Like, any con- like what is a bad contract there? Like, a bad yeah, contracts are it, things that prohibit you from being able to do stuff. He's not going to be prohibiting them from doing anything well, and if that's the case then the heat have never had a bad contract because <laughs> apparently nothing matters <laughs> oh we have all this bad money we can't spend anything hey you guys take this garbage we'll take back uh, some of your garbage plus like a guy who we're going to extend for two years uh and we'll just have it all work out right now it's, it's this, like there's so much money there so much money. i know i just wanted to get a like a heat doing weird things again conversation you just need to get you in your homer mention before we get to detroit that's right we gotta we gotta pilfer some of this out yep el can you gotta step up your game and you get in the pacers somewhere somewhere in here but (laughs) detroit sixth in the lotto odds they are currently 20 and 41 uh core players uh christian wood luke Kennard, sekundumboya Bruce Brown, probably. I mean, we could make mention of Usvi Mikhailuk. We could make mention of um, one Thon Maker. 
we're not. We're just we're just kidding here. But um, <laughs> oh, Blake wow. Griffin, we've kind of got to mention him. He's in the bad contract category. Um, just you know because he's not playing, and you're paying a man a lot of money to not play. Uh, but I don't know if I like putting him in the core players is tough because he's obviously no longer a plan for the future. The moment he comes back, if he's playing well, I feel like the Pistons are going to try to trade him, try to move off of him. And maybe because there's only a couple years left, maybe it makes more sense. Um, so that, I think that's the, that's the hope within Detroit. Uh, for money allotted, they've got uh, $70.2 million uh, allotted already. They have some cap space this offseason. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they do with it. Uh, 42.6 the year after. Incoming, we've got um, the Lakers, 2021 second round pick, and the uh, least favorable of Golden State Warriors or Cleveland 2023 pick. Thank you, Andre Drummond, for that. Um, we also have a 2023 uh, Portland second out there. Um, and I also want to mention we got Dravidas Servitas out there, who's kind of like a future second round pick coming because uh, he's been stashed. Throwing that out there. Um, outgoing draft picks are um, second rounder this year. That's tough. Second rounder next year, also tough. And the year after that, also tough because we're probably going to be bad for the next three years, or at least, you know, it'll be a, a relatively worthwhile second round pick somewhere, at least in the 40s. So, whew. I'm going to let you all talk before I get to get to, get to rambling. So, you go ahead. Well, before we set Richard up for his opine, I want to mention that Christian Wood must be a, he's just a lovely guy checking out the sights and scenes of Portland again. Just want to remind everyone I saw Christian Wood and it was kind of, it's kind of random and weird. He's, I don't think he was wearing piston apparel. So like he checks the box of not, you know, coming out in the, uh, <laughs> in the, in the, in the team apparel. So that's, that's not coming a, out in warmups. That, great. that makes me feel good about He's got the a good head on his shoulder. He's wearing some very down to earth gray sweats and jet and a sweatshirt. So like he was, he was ready to go out and, you know, blend in with the locals so i was like did you did you say anything to him or just no it was like one of those things like we wa- i walked past him he was like kind of like walking towards me and um like he'd, he'd just already come to the realization that buffalo wild wings was not the move that night so he was on the way out and i look and i see him and i'm like i know that guy why do i know that guy i don't know anyone in portland other than like my friend group and then my buddy cam who is uh, from vegas and if it, y'all remember uh, Christian Wood went to UNLV, so Cam has watched watched him play a lot in college. Uh, the one year he was there, and he's like, "Hey, was that Christian Wood?" And I was like, "Oh my goodness, yes, I know. Yeah, I, that's who. I, that's why I know him. I've seen his face too many times." And, but anyway, I all jokes aside, Christian Wood is a very fun offensive player, and I think if you get the right other players around him, he can be an effective defensive guy. Um, Luke Kennard, knockdown shooter, just having health problems this year. I have all the faith in the world that his value has not dwindled if they need to move him and remove him as the part of the core or if he's going to stick around and be part of the core you're you're literally one like a, 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 a probably like a sharp shooting ball handling like it, honestly Darius Garland would be kind of fun with this team have a guy who projects to be an off the dribble shooter no defense no defense but he would make sense that'd be a really fun shooting backcourt Seku we know <laughs> I, I told my friend to pick him up in fantasy basketball and he got he got uh, he got bad he got bad all yeah. of a sudden yeah, <laughs> and I put I put Bruce Brown on the list, so obviously I think he's okay. Yeah, I I feel like like Seku was helped by Drummond a lot. Like yeah. a lot of games out there, Drummond would be like, "You go here." He like he, you can see him like pointing and moving him into different uh, places and spots. 
Um, Younger. But yeah. Youngest player in the NBA. I will say with Christian Wood, since the Andre Drummond trade, averaging uh, about 20.5 points per game, uh, 10.5 boards, uh, two assists, one block on 51% shooting from the field, 37.5 from three. Uh, the question that the Pistons, the main question the Pistons have to come up with is how are we, what are we going to do with Christian Wood this offseason? Um, how much are we going to pay him? Uh, before when we had Drummond, the highest we could have gone is about 10 million, but is that, is that still the range that we want to do, uh, slightly more than or around the, the full mid-level exception or, you know, are we going to have to go more than that? Because again, it's a depressed market. Do any of these other teams that we're talking about today have interest in a Christian Wood for more money that would drive the that would drive the price up? I, I don't know. What do you guys think? It really depends on. I, I, I want I want to pull up the list of teams that have cap space right now. I I'll I'll, I'll tell them to you right now, Ethan. Tell me. Um, it, it is Atlanta. Uh, we've got Atlanta. We've got Charlotte. We have uh, well, obviously Detroit. We also have Miami. We also have the uh, Pelicans, and sorry, sorry, not, not the Pelicans, the Knicks and Phoenix. So my thought process here is that none of those teams are young enough to be like Christian Woods part of this core, plus the vacancy of. A power forward, a shooting power forward center type, right? So I don't look at those teams as particular threats to the Pistons re-signing him, especially since the Pistons are the team that he's been able to grab onto and actually develop a role with. I feel like if Miami was not in the Giannis basket, like you know, having him be your third, like a third big in the big man rotation, like that would be a useful thing. Oh, yeah. If he could play the Kelly Olenek role instead of Kelly Olenek or the Myers Leonard role instead of Myers Leonard, like, like obviously those two are actually probably better just spot up shooters than he is. But he, his versatility defensively, like the fact that he can actually move a little bit, it would be very helpful. Like he would block shots, not just alter a few. Like those would be nice things. But yeah, he, he doesn't check out for anything other than like a one year flyer type if the Heat wanted him. But I, I just don't see that being in the in the cards. Yeah, I don't see that being what he wants. Uh, how old do you think Christian Wood is right now? 23. 24. Well, pretty close. Hmm. Close, close. So, you know, uh, the idea is the Pistons, if he were to sign him, be able to get him through most of his athletic prime um, between now and however long. I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I, I, I'm thinking something around $10 million is probably what it's going to look like. I for bet he gets 448 reasonable i mean you know I, I i can't i can't deny uh, uh, that just sounds like a number that that it, it it bodes well like 12 a year is pretty good like that's you know about it you know well it's a little bit less than like half like what the previous like rookie extension maxes would be and it's it, it checks out as like it doesn't hit the 50 million dollar number where the fans are going to kind of wince at it and it does but it's over the 40 million dollar number where it's like life-changing money everyone's going to feel good for the kid like that, that's the kind of the nice right in the sweet spot number the pistons would do well to uh do the aaron gordon uh you know de-escalations um yeah that'd be on, smart. The, on that contract yeah uh, that'd, be, that'd be really smart um mm, 
Okay, any more thoughts on Detroit before I go just in on a little spiel? Nah, I don't have anything different to add right now. Okay. Go ahead, Richard. So, um, with with this, Bruce Brown uh, is one of our more interesting ones because from Bruce Brown's limitations have been he hasn't been able to place the floor very well. Uh, he's been a good defender. Um, you know, nothing in like the, you know, he's not, he's not Tony Allen, right? But he, he's been a good defender. Uh, he's been able to, you know, defend the other team's best one or two and maybe small three. Uh, but that's been what he's done this year. He's expanded to have more ball handling duties, uh, out of necessity because people have been injured. Uh, but also because he he's shown a little bit of that talent in, in summer league, right? Um, mm. He also has been able to shoot at a really good clip in, I believe, the right corner. The right corner, he's shot over the 35% that you want, uh, you know, that you like need. I think he's been uh, like in the high high 30s from that corner. By the break, not, not the case, but... You, you're able to find a spot for him in the offense to where he where he can do stuff. I think that he's a valuable uh, player going forward. If um, I, I feel like he can he can be um, you can find a useful spot for him there. Seiko will have to see um, again youngest player in the NBA. Uh, some positives, some negatives this year, um, but you you want to see some flashes. And from the youngest guy, perfectly fine with me. Luke Kennard's an interesting one because we we apparently dangled him at, at the deadline. I was very upset with this. I was very, very upset with this fact. My hope is that his knees are fine, that it's not anything long-term. Uh, and if it is, I mean, you've he's probably like on, on, a, on a good team. If we're talking about a good team, if he's your fifth, fifth best player on a good team or if he goes up a, even a little bit, maybe your fourth best player on a good team, like that, that's good. Uh, right now, though, he's probably our first or second best player at, at, at the moment, um, you know, outside of Blake Griffin, obviously. <sighs> Man, Blake Griffin. Hope we, I hope he plays well. I hope we can trade him without having to attach assets to him. The fact that it, this, it's this year and next year from wh- where his contract is, hope a good team that is trying to make a run says, hey, if we add Blake Griffin in this year, uh, we play well. Next year, he becomes an expiring deal, and that's fine because expiring deals can't be bad, right? That, that, that's kind of what we that's kind of what we say. So, like, I feel like that is that's got to be the approach that you take with Blake Griffin. Hopefully, a team um, out there in the right situation um, buys into that. The future point guard of this team, though, I think is coming in this year's draft mm. because Pistons are going to have probably, I mean. I know we're currently sixth in the lotto odds, but random teams like Atlanta keep winning. Cleveland keeps winning for whatever reason. Doesn't make sense to me, but they keep winning uh, against the Heat specifically. Uh, but uh, okay, hold on, hold on. It was the, we had a home and home, and it was we went one and one. So, just, just, just saying. They, <laughs> I don't, I don't know why they look good against the Heat. Doesn't make sense to me. But um, <laughs> the po- point is, like Detroit, we won. Um, we, we, we tried our best to give away the game in Phoenix. We finally won a game, but we're probably going to go on another crazy losing streak. Like there's, we, we, we did this last time. We're not going to win very many more, many more games this, um, this season. And so I think we can get a top five pick and you're going to pick of those top point guards, whether it's, 
um, you know, uh, Lamella Ball, whether it's Killian Hayes, um, which Anthony. Is, you know, we 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 Pistons Twitter is is more so in the uh, Killian Hayes mold, like. Of course you are, because th- that way you can you can say, well, who knows? He's a European guy. We don't know what's going on over there when he when he fails out. So I I have I, we don't have time to get into it now, but I, I have some theories about about these um uh, about these international um uh you know players and, and draft picks coming mm-hmm. coming from abroad. I, I have some theories on that. We don't have time to get into it now. Another time, but uh the future I, we've got to nail this pick. Which is tough because draft picks not the, this draft is relatively weak, but there are a lot of point guards, and I feel as though you need to find someone who uh, is not a Cole Anthony type, someone who uh, is scoring is not the primary thing, but you're able to facilitate and, and help create for your teammates. Um, so that's that's my hope. Um, there are a few names at the top who might be able to do that, but yeah, it it's not looking great in Detroit. The problem with Detroit, like, is that with these other teams, you've got a lot of draft capital coming in over the next few years. Detroit's draft capital is um, net zero or probably even net negative, considering the draft picks going out are probably going to be better than the ones coming in. It's all seconds, three seconds in, three seconds out. But, like, that puts them in in a really difficult spot comparatively. So, Detroit. Might be time for me to start peeking at these draft prospects because I haven't watched any college basketball other than Xavier this year, hardly. I mean, yeah, college basketball has been been rough a bit this year, but yeah, it, we're getting about time. March, it's March, it's the first of March, so That's right. you know, we're, it's gonna be it's gonna be time pretty soon. I've only been paying attention um, to these top draft picks because of where Detroit is in, you know. I know his Tankathon has the heat drafting Trey Jones, and I promise you I will not be happy if that's the case. Because <laughs> that guy I watched a lot last year because this guy named Zion Williamson was his teammate. And he didn't look good then. So I don't know how he's looking this year, but can't imagine it's good. I mean, you know, you know what you're getting with him. I don't know what I'm getting. You're, you're, you're getting a defensive point guard who you hope can – do something offensively. That's, that's what you're that getting. sounds like he has culture, and I don't want. I'm, I'm feeling. It's a bit, it's a bit of culture it. there. It's, oh. it's a bit of culture. Oh, just, just saying. Just, just a bit. All right, we well, got one more. We got one more team, guys. Yes. One I, more. Team let me handle to. this one. Buddy. You handle this one because, <laughs> I, you know, I there will be. I'm gonna jump in at some point, but there would there would have been slander if I did if I did this from the beginning. Oh, okay. Wow. So we got we got the Chicago Bulls, and they're seventh in the lot of odds. We got the core players of Zach Levine, Laurie Markkinen. Window Carter Jr. and Kobe White, also known as Jacoby White. Bad contracts, Ew. none of them. They're all fair. Great. I'm contracts. jumping in. I'm jumping in. Here we go. All right. First off, with a team like this, uh, who and I, I should mention Chicago also does not have um, uh, real real um, cap space this year. There are bad contracts. If your team is this bad, and you are not having any cap space you've got some bad contracts on your hands just just want to throw that out there just got to say that auto pointer jr has been a bad contract because he's not been able to play here's the only way that an expiring deal is a bad contract if you're not playing all right that that, that's the only that's that's it so i i we're gonna see him play but because he's expiring i can't get can't get too upset zach levine 
I understand why you, why you have him as not a bad contract, uh, just because you could see you could see him as being maybe a tradable asset. Um, but I think that he becomes a better asset if he's on a team where he maybe he gets traded to that's already good, that doesn't have much like it's a situation like Andrew Wiggins, like Andrew Wiggins being traded to the Warriors. It's like the it would be it's just ownership paying money. It's not as though he is negatively impacting their cap because they already have people who are taking up that cap space. So essentially, he's just a minimum. If he can be better than a minimum minimum salary guy, it's worth it. That's how I view. Um, like if you go to trade Zach Levine to a contender, the problem is if you got Zach Levine on this Bulls team who's making forty, uh, dropping forty points, and you're still losing, like. That, that, that's tough. Thad Young, I just don't see his, what, what is the point of, like, just like, what is the point of, of Larry Nance um, on that Cleveland team? What is the point of Thad Young on this Bulls team? Um, uh, I, I just, well, I just if we go down don't that road, what's the it. point of Jim Boylan on this Bulls team? No, yeah, now you get to my other bad problems. contract. <laughs> my other bad contract, Jim Boylan and uh, Gar Foreman and John Paxson. Like, the, all those together, I'm going to consider, like, that's who I'm throwing in as the bad contract because gotcha. y'all so been you- messing up. You had a, an elaborate joke set up, and I just I did. I you ruined the whole thing, Ethan. Dagnab it. <laughs> uh, if, if, if that's not an example of groupthink, I don't know what is. Yep. Um, let's go to their allotted dollars. And uh, this coming off season, they've already got $106 million a tri- um, set aside, so they're kind of stuck in that way. 21-22, 65.3. I do think in that 21-22, there could be a little bit more because Thad Young's contract is not fully guaranteed, so keep that in mind. Let's see. We got some draft picks coming in. We got a 2021 second swap with NOLA, which is New Orleans. We got a 2022 less favorable of own Detroit or Los Angeles Lakers. So Detroit, you know, they're probably going to be back at the top by then. So you're probably going to get a Detroit pick there. Um, draft picks outgoing. They're losing their 20. Their tw- this next year's second round pick and the 2023 second round pick. So that's everything up now. Richard, I know you wanted to derail the pod by slandering my man Zach Levine. Let's let's roll back the tape a little bit and see why this core actually doesn't work. It doesn't matter about Zach Levine. It's just why this core is a little off. We got Lowry Bird, not a very good uh, defendus, defensive player. Probably should play center. That's never going to happen at an effective level unless he puts on a lot of muscle and becomes a drop big. Not out of their own possibility because he's still very young but probably unlikely. Wendell Carter Jr., kind of a short defensive big. Uh, we don't know if he can shoot. We kind of thought he would be able to shoot at some point, but it, it's almost as if he he has that uh, last season ban out of bio offensive game where, oh, I'm not allowed to look at the basket. I just have the ball here, and I roll to the rim only. But there's not enough good players on this team for that to be the case. And then the Kobe White-Zach Levine backcourt, which – to my knowledge, still hasn't become a starting lineup thing, which it shouldn't be. Because here's the thing. Both those guys are exclusively gunners. They score for themselves. They Both of them talented with the balls in their hands and trying to like get to the spot. But they're not. neither of them are very good facilitators. Zach Levine a little bit better, but not much. Not much better. And so we look at this as a core. You know, We didn't include uh, Chris Dunn. We didn't include Thomas Sadoransky, even though they, they signed him to a, a, a relatively lucrative deal. Because both those guys aren't are, those guys are not needle movers. They don't help that much, and that's my problem with this Bulls team is they don't have, you know, we talked about the mesh point earlier. They don't have a team that meshes, and that's going to always restrict them from being particularly good. I think Sedaransky is useful in the I fact agree. that like 
he's the guy who's who you pair in the backcourt to facilitate to the other guys. I have him on my fantasy basketball team. I can't tell you how many like he gets so many assists because he like he passed it. People are just shooting it um, right away. What's tough with this team? Where I will say, you know what? Maybe the slander needs to just be put on pause a little bit, just a little bit. Is the injuries right? Yeah. We we've knocked Wendell Carter like well, you know, he hasn't been able to show it. He's been injured a whole lot, and if you are out there trying to play through some injuries, you know, and you know, obviously everyone's playing through injuries, but like him in particular, have, having missed uh, quite a, quite a few games, um, along, along with other guys in the roster, like we mentioned, Otto Porter Jr. already, like Laurie Markin has missed some time, and and so they really haven't been able to piece and put it together. Problem is that. It's not as if we just assume that okay everyone everyone gets healthy and because they're 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 in a spot where um it's tough to figure out have they invested in in people who are not going to be, you can't plan for them to be healthy long term or is it something where they've just experienced a little bit of bad luck I mean I think we're kind of in the, in in kind of a decision-making time on that over the next over the next year. Well, this Otto Porter Jr. health stuff has been a has been a recent problem, right? Like this guy for his career is um, 48% from the field, 40% from three, and 80% from the line. And until this year, so he, he had a bit of a rough start with, in 13-14, only played 37 games, but part of that was because he wasn't very good that year. Um, and since then, he's played 74, 75, 80, 77. And then 56, and then this year he's played very few games. So, like it's it's a recent occurring thing, but it, it's it's still like this has not been the precedent for Otto Porter Jr. And he would have been, you know, probably the third most important player on this team because of his ability to be a defense like a defensive guy. Like he's the kind of guy like I was telling teams, you know, to take a take a gamble on because if he comes back, he's going to shoot 40 percent from three or so, and he's going to defend, you know, the second or uh, first or second best player on your team and be okay at it. And that just hasn't come to fruition. Like he would be very important, and it's just not working out this year. Another another bad contract. The um, uh, training staff in Chicago because no, it's been sure. rough. It's been rough. I don't know what they pay him, mm-hmm. but it's been a tough go of it this year. But yeah, Otto Porter Jr. Like I, that, like I, it's it's not going to work out. They're they're not going to get the thirty two and a half win. It's just not going to happen. They're not going to do it. And you know I feel horribly about it, and so does the the Oregon sport, the Oregon scoreboard app. They feel great about it right now, but the point the point being is like the team has has a lot of like fun and unique and cool pieces to it, but they haven't even uh, they haven't really found the me- the mesh point. And you know I'm, it's another not important moment here, but like I like Daniel Gafford. I think he was a really good second round pick. I think he's got like a little bit of bounce to his game. He he could be part of a three big rotation someday. That that third big that that third big that comes in and gives you energy. But it doesn't matter because this team stinks and they have nothing going for them. Elkin, your thoughts on on the Chicago Bulls? Um, well, I get to see him obviously Central Division, one of Central Division foes. <sighs> I think. I've just been seeing. I think a lot of offense and just bad defense. But I've been all over their page. Going over the basketball reference page, looking at their defensive stats and, of course, offensive stats. And this team has, I mean, you have two guys who can be flamethrowers at any given time, like a Zach Levine or Kobe White. But I'm really just worried. Like, as far as, so outside of this, so let's just say we move on. I'm looking at allotted cap space for, or looking at how much cap they have tied up for next year, already $106 million. 
So are we going to get the same thing next year? Like what we have this year, are they just going to pretty much run back the same team? Are we, I mean, I go mean, ahead. Yeah. I mean, they'll have their, their first round pick and they'll probably yeah. be able to bring in someone on a mid level. And uh, I mean, let's, let's, uh, like, I'm trying, trying to pull up their page here. The but... people who leave are yeah. Chris Dunn is a free agent. Denzel Valentine's a free agent. Shaquille Harrison is a free agent. Everyone else has money on the books, and all of it's guaranteed except for Otto Porter Jr., who could opt out, but he's not going to because $28 million is, uh, based Ooh. on his health record of late, is what he'd probably get mm-hmm. for the next two years if he were to sign a deal somewhere. Like He might not even get that. So he, like that, They're locked into this roster minus Dunn and Valentine. Oh, this is an oversight. I mean, I, I know that's because I don't want to say it's an oversight on you, Ethan, but uh, be, because of what we said about expiring deals. But Cristiano Felicio. Oh, yeah, that's a terrible deal. <laughs> it's a terrible deal. It's one year deal going on for, but like terrible deal in the moment. Like when it happened, I just remember being like, what? That, that guy, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the funniest thing about that deal was I was like, oh, maybe he'll shoot threes. And I was like, and I looked at his stats. Oh, he's never shot a three at, at that point in his career. <laughs> he's oh, never. Oh, wait, uh, guys, actually, let's let's rephrase that. He's never made a three in his career still. <laughs> oh, it's tough. Tough out there. So sorry. Oh, and you just need to slander them a little bit more. No, it's fair. Um, he wow. deserves it. Ooh. Hey, at least they get off of Omar Ashik's, uh dead cat money. There you go. I was looking at the uh, Cavs page earlier, and they have uh, Alfonso McKinney stretched on two different occasions. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what's happening. I don't, I have no idea. I don't either. Maybe it's just they waved him this last time, so it's not really a stretch. But they have a stretch of him and a wave of him. He's on there twice for two different dollar figures. Weird. Oh, we've gotten to the end, guys. We did. How we made it. Take? About about an hour. Hey, pretty good. Not bad. All right. Not bad considering it. We took about this long last year for two teams. On average. Ooh. On average. Yep. Sometimes it was just one. Sometimes it was just one. You know, there's a lot of like. I mean, I could spend 20 more minutes on Daniel Gafford if you want me to. We, we oh, probably right. probably shouldn't. We probably shouldn't. Here's the thing, though. If we're, if we're doing like the we did five worst East teams here, it's like we could do the five worst West teams, but like. The West teams are so much more. Half of those teams are st- half of those teams are still trying to make it to the playoffs. Like if we do the five worst West teams, you know we're we're beginning to get into range where it's like we're mentioning Portland and and they're they're still trying to make you know the playoffs. They're not that far off. So yeah, I hope they uh hope they get themselves a nice power forward like small forward that should play more power forward player in this coming draft. Hmm. I haven't identified who that is yet. Uh, That's what I it's, want. Tough to, I mean, there's not a whole lot of wings, and that, that's Obi, Chicago's Obi issue too. Give me the old guy. That, 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 that's Chicago's issue too. It's like there's not many like uh, of those wings out there, at least on on the surface, at least not at least not high up. So I right, gotta we'll, hope we'll Otto Porter comes back. Yeah, yeah, they do. All right, guys. Um, All right. What are you guys drinking today? We got. Uh, we still got the Rockstar Pog. I'll tell you what the, what's great about this drink is it's 20 calories per can, no added sugar, but natural sugar in there from the, actually, shocker guys, apple juice is the second leading can, uh, candidate in the ingredients, but it's about, it's a pineapple drink. I don't hmm. get it. It's a conspiracy. Some lies, some lies. Elkin, drinking your water out of, out of a glass. That's impressive. Yeah, and uh, 
baby duty just called. All right. So I'm going to have to wrap this up, guys. Let's get out of here, y'all. All right.